welcome to Geek Between the Lines, a podcast that explores compelling themes in some of our favorite geeky properties. I'm Brittany. And I'm Chris. And this week we are talking about the theme of loneliness in Avatar Last Airbender and The Legend of Korra. Mm-hmm. So to start us out, we have a quote from season three of The Last Airbender, and it's from the episode The Beach, which... I know you will recognize this iconic moment of the Fire Nation Team Avatar, (laughs) anti-Team Avatar, (laughs) um, uh, teenagers sitting around a campfire talking about some of their problems. And so this is Tylee's response to Zuko being rude and calling her circus freak. Do you have any idea what my home life was like? Growing up with six sisters who look exactly like me? It was like I didn't even have my own name. I joined the circus because I was scared of spending the rest of my life as part of a match set. At least I'm different now. Circus freak is a compliment. Was she a septuplet? Yeah, I think so. That's... I know it exists in the world, but that is one of the most intense situations mm-hmm. there could be with, like, newborns. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it fills me with fear and trembling. Yeah, I have a lot of questions about Tylee's background because <laughs> totally. how was she of the seven the only one who was friends with Azula? Like mm-hmm. what was that process like of them becoming friends when they were young? Yeah. Azula saw ambition in her <laughs> so she decided to collect her. Yeah. And that I think is is interesting, the fact that Tylee's friendliness and her gregariousness comes from a childhood in which she didn't feel like she had much of her own identity. And so she builds these relationships easily and and readily because it's a way of making her distinct. I mean, maybe. I don't know if maybe she always would have been friendly regardless. Mm -hmm. But I think her desire to stand out, to be in the spotlight, to be a part of a circus, to do something that has nothing to do with her family and her sisters definitely, definitely comes from that. Yeah. And maybe why she was more willing to put up with Azula and stuff. And even May, who is quite lackluster. (laughs) (laughs) But it's interesting, an idea to think about that her loneliness could come from not feeling alone in terms of there are people around her all the time. And not only just people, but people the exact same age as her Mm -hmm. who to some degree are going through similar things she is but within that not being seen at all for who you are and that's where the loneliness comes in yeah it's this this kind of common idea of loneliness even in a crowd or even when you're surrounded by people and it could be family it could be friends Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. if your experience of your life still makes you feel disconnected from those you're around Mm-hmm. It can still lead to that kind of loneliness. And, and for her, you know, before the series starts, she decides to leave her entire life and go join the circus. And that's a pretty drastic choice mm-hmm. to make and one that she seemed very happy with, which shows, I think, the extent to which she was unhappy with her life before. Absolutely. Yeah. And to it seems like for her to be around hardly any people, potentially, as long as she's seen for who she is, that's much less lonely yeah 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 well what character did you bring to talk about yeah so i wanted to talk about katara okay because i think that she has 
interesting experiences, but also an interesting kind of like arc. So we get to know her but and seeing that basically she has no peers in the Southern Water Tribe besides her brother who <laughs> interacted with her in, and the whole tribe to some degree in, in these kind of gendered, sexist ways. And so mm-hmm. just because he's around her age, you know. Yeah, even one, peer is kind of yeah, it's not exact there because, yeah, the things that you're mentioning. And also, he's not a bender. He's not a bender. And yeah, some of the experiences that she's having, who can she really talk to yeah. about them? And her also, I think, loneliness would come in because her mom was murdered. Mm-hmm. And she was murdered because they were looking for the last waterbender in the tribe. And then after that happened, you know, her dad left. And as you mentioned, you know, she's the only waterbender left. And also so many of their people had been killed, had been taken away, mm-hmm. had left to try to fight and so even their whole community was rather small and she had to try to learn bending completely on her own with no one to teach her trying to which i could only imagine be an incredibly frustrating process it's like you're trying to connect to something mm-hmm. but you don't even know how to and probably not being able to connect as much as you want to that thing that was integral to your community before so much of it was destroyed that could potentially make you feel even more lonely because you're you're trying and you, you can't in as significant ways as you want to and then i was also thinking about how i think she within team avatar she's constantly kind of filling a responsible role mm-hmm. and i i understand how that can lead to loneliness because i've definitely been that killjoy person in certain groups before and you do it because someone has to and you do it sometimes because it's the right thing to do or whatever but in doing so you isolate yourself to mm-hmm. some degree or other people don't feel like they can connect with you quite the same way because yeah you have a different role in that group than everyone else does and i think Sokka liked doing that in terms of like the strategist mm-hmm. uh, he's like i'm the oldest i'm a boy i'll <laughs> do this right uh he didn't mind it but you see it take more of a toll on her when they're like oh we're doing these money prank not really pranks what, what we call it uh scams scams yeah and her correctly being like this is dangerous it shouldn't we shouldn't be doing this we're supposed to not be bringing the attention to ourselves mm-hmm. and then her feeling to the point where you know it, it caused conflict and then she felt like she had to change how she was interacting and so that she could see be seen as being able to have fun but that didn't go well either no but yeah i think you're right it it speaks to the loneliness she was experiencing Mm -hmm. that she decided to do that kind of 180. yeah something that she didn't even really feel comfortable with just to try to have a connection with these people who are all having fun and laughing about things and enjoying themselves when she couldn't 
Yeah. And that's especially hard because she's, what, 14? Something like that. Yeah. yeah. 13, 14. Yeah. Probably 13 at the time. Though. Probably, yeah. But yeah, that, that's rough. But then I like that you see, even though we didn't get to spend a ton of time with her in Legend of Korra, mm-hmm. I like that we get to see how she went on to form a community with other waterbenders around her. I mean, she moved back to the south. Uh, I was going to say the South Pole. That's not what that is. <laughs> <laughs> to the Southern Water Tribe. And so she ends in this place where she's like not alone with her skills or her culture or anything like that anymore. And even after Aang had died, like she didn't isolate herself. And she really leaned into being a part of that community mm. in a way we didn't really get to see her do in the same way um, during the show, like with her own people and stuff. Yeah, which I, I appreciate. I'm glad that they do include her as someone who's still alive and still a part of her community in Legend of Korra. Mm-hmm. And being able to see her in that role, I think, is is really great considering the roles that she played in Avatar. Yeah, but what plot point did you want to talk about today? I wanted to talk about how in both Avatar and Legend of Korra, they have entire episodes about being alone. They have Zuko mm-hmm. alone in Mm -hmm. book two of The Last Airbender, and they have Korra alone in book four of Legend of Korra. And I think that they're doing interesting and similar things with these two episodes. For Zuko, he is kind of going out on his own and he's failing at becoming part of a community. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And we also see him reflecting on how his childhood was a lonely one, especially after his mother left. But even before that, we see how he couldn't get along with Azula and Azula's friends. Like he felt ostracized from them. He felt like he couldn't be comfortable with them in those relationships. We never even see him having friends. Who were your friends, Zuko? Exactly. <laughs> you know, we we don't really see him having a good relationship with anyone other than his mother and Iroh, who's not there. Mm-hmm. Iroh, who's sending him a dagger saying, don't give up without a fight. And I think that seeing that reflected in his choice to go at it alone and to leave his uncle in the Earth Kingdom, I think is is really interesting and really compelling. And Korra alone sees her also going it alone, choosing to be alone as she is basically being haunted by the Avatar state, haunted by herself and, and her past and the things that have happened to her. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she she also is looking at her memories about where she's been the last three years and how for her she had some community when she was recovering she had katara helping her she had her parents there but no one who really was able to understand what she was going through and what she needed Mm -hmm. in the way where she also chose to not return to republic city but to go it alone so yeah i think it's interesting that both these episodes are dealing with loneliness and how that loneliness is tied to memories and to past experiences but it also takes the focus away from a show that is about an expansive cast and a team and a group of people and focusing instead on a single person and what it's like for them when they're on their own. Mm-hmm. And both of them are people who have recently lost an element of their identities. Korra is no longer able to access the Avatar state and she is traumatized by her fight with Zaheer, both physically and mentally. And Zuko is no longer a prince, and he has lost 
any possibility to regain the honor that he's been seeking for so long. Mm-hmm. And they both pretend to be something they're, they're not and in many ways are, are fleeing from and being haunted by the trauma that they experienced and, and how it's tied to those identities. Zuko very actively in the form of his sister. Absolutely. Sent by his father. Yeah. <laughs> but... Wonderful family dynamics there. The fact that I think that he hides his firebending until the very end when once he uses it, he's hated. Mm-hmm. It, it shows how he is, yeah, he's attempting to not be himself and it's shown to be a smart, protective move for himself because... Children can like him when he's not himself. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> I mean, not in himself and personality. That he can never get rid of, apparently. But his life as a prince of the Fire Nation mm-hmm. and a firebender. Korra, I think, is is literally being haunted by visions of herself in the Avatar state, who she fights against and loses against mm-hmm. as she's trying to... Yeah, deal with her trauma in a very visceral way there. Yeah. Because it's not just her in the Avatar state, but her in the Avatar state as she was fighting Zaheer. So both of them are cutting themselves off from others. They, they are thinking that to journey alone is what they need to get over this trauma and these this loss of identity that they're experiencing. But they both fail. Neither of them has community that actually helps them. And ultimately, both of them are only helped through community. Korra through meeting Toph, funnily enough. (laughs) (laughs) Who really was alone. Yeah. But even then... She was like, I'm connected to everything because, you know, these vines, these trees are, so... And I think it also helps connect her to Aang. Part of the problem here is that she's disconnected from the past avatars. She's lost that kind of community as well. Mm -hmm. And Toph calling her Twinkle Toes. Toph meeting her in the swamp where Aang first saw the vision of Toph. Mm-hmm. I think there's these really interesting connections there too. But even that's imperfect. It's not until she does reunite with the rest of her friends that she's really able to deal with the poison inside of her, the, the actual physical poison and the, the mental trauma in ways I think that are more... like She, she still loses to Kuvira before she meets her, her the rest of her friends. Mm-hmm. And Zuko, yeah, he, he's ostracized from this community that he tries to help save. And it's not until he realizes that he needs to return to his uncle that he can start to envision a life away from his past. Though, of course, it comes back to haunt him when they're in Ba Sing Se. Of course. So yeah, I think that there's some really interesting elements between... They, they, they clearly meant to do that by calling Korra's episode Korra Alone. I think they were harkening back to a similar journey that Zuko took. But both cases, I think, are really courageous storytelling because they are in so many ways going against the structure of these shows and how these shows have operated typically. I mean, Zuko alone, Aang's not even in the episode. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I just think that that is really courageous and very interesting as well as being in a compelling exploration of loneliness for those characters. Yeah, totally. Those episodes aren't about laughs as much. Maybe a little bit when Toph comes <laughs> into the picture. Mm-hmm. In the last 20 seconds, but yeah. 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 And the, yeah, they're, they're mostly about emotionally what they're going through and how they're trying to make sense of their life, their past, where they could be in the future. And they have a more somber feel to them than Absolutely. most of the rest of Avatar apps do, certainly. Yeah. But apparently earlier this week, 
a new graphic novel called Suki Alone was released. Oh, I heard about that, yeah. Which is based off of her time at the Boiling Rock before Zuko and Sokka come and rescue her. And the fact that it's named along the similar convention makes me more interested in reading it. Like, I would probably want to read it anyway. I like Suki as a character. Obviously, I'm a big fan of the series. But uh, having it be in the same kind of vein especially after thinking about these two episodes, makes me like, oh, I really, really like to see what the story's about and what happens here. Totally, yeah. Well, should we move into our compelling questions? Yeah, let's do it. So I'm wondering what factors you see kind of actively promoting loneliness or combating it in the series. Yeah, I think war is a pretty interesting element because it kind of mm-hmm. does both in some ways. Mm-hmm. It... it literally isolates people by making it so that there are no longer any relationships like Aang had when he was a child. Yeah. And while it can also create this kind of patriotic fervor or nationalism (laughs) that can exist because you are either defending your community or trying to, you know, have this nationalist expansion of your community. Mm Mm-hmm. And that can, in, in some ways, build a a insulated community i think that it it you feel connected to other people exactly even if it's not in a good way on the fire nation side exactly yeah yeah i see the avatar itself being something that combats loneliness Mm. because for one the need to have masters of all four nations all four bending styles helps to build a team for Aang because he needs to have people around him to help him in these different ways. And it, in some ways, gives Korra a structure to her her upbringing. Mm-hmm. And the existence of the Avatar itself until Korra is one that means that they're able to access their past lives. They have a kind of a community in the, in themselves. Totally. Yeah, I was thinking about that too. And and I was thinking about how, you know, like Galadriel says in Lord of the Rings, to be a ring bearer is to be alone. Mm-hmm. And I think being the Avatar is not to be alone, yeah. right? It is to be a, a multiplicity, a, a community in yourself. Yeah. But at the same time, I think it like also is isolating because you are the only person in your lifetime. That will have those experiences. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah, it can connect you like in ways that you can relate to any person who's a bender of any of the four nations. Yeah. But yeah, like you have the pressure of the world on your shoulders. In some places, you may be kind of like a celebrity, Mm -hmm. you know, like I feel like it both isolates and communes. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. What else were you thinking? I was also thinking about the freedom fighters, Mm. how all of them were orphaned because of the war, yet they found community not only to keep themselves safe from the Fire Nation, but to do what they felt was fighting back against them to help other people. I mean, sometimes at the cost of other people, which is when we saw it take kind of a dark turn, Mm -hmm. but... Yeah, they lived in the trees together and ate and did all of these things even once they decided, okay, 
we've gone too far in this way, we need to make some changes, even some of them still travel together to Bossing Say. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too, is how I, I appreciate how every time we see them, we see them together. Outside of Jet doing his own thing, he's still traveling with Smellerby and, and the Duke, but sometimes he goes off on his own and, you know, does what he wants. But, you know, we see these characters maintain these relationships even as things have to drastically change in their lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was also thinking about Azula to some degree because mm. the way that she engages with the world is so divorced from how the majority of people engage with the world and friendships and trust and hopefully not those power discrepancies and things like that that she relies on manipulation she relies on fear she can seemingly justify anything she does and that yeah really isolating her to the point where with the paranoia that she has I don't know if she always had it and it just came out more at the end or if if it developed through throughout the series but um her her literally making herself be alone yeah in response to I think realizing that she already was yeah and that's so fascinating it's making me think that in Avatar the lust for power is something that creates loneliness because mm -hmm. Azula does exactly what you just say and she breaks herself off from her brother through this process as well as her best friends and others their father killed his father as well as deposed his brother essentially mm -hmm. and we don't know much about Azulon, but Sozin's lust for power made him turn on his best friend mm -hmm. in Roku. And so we see in their family how this, yeah, this desire to be powerful and this desire to be a, a ruler of more and more and more mm -hmm. has led so many people in that family to cut themselves off from those who are closest to them. Absolutely. And I wonder also how talent plays a role mm. in that because... It's always isolated me, for sure. Oh, my God. <laughs> because Azula is clearly the most powerful firebender we see, yeah. besides maybe her father. When, when he's battling Aang, he's able to, even while Aang is in the Avatar state, last for a bit of time on his own. Yeah. And so I, I could imagine... Unlike Chris, that does not describe me. <laughs> I could imagine that that would be really isolating too because people will be jealous of you or people won't be able to relate to you or you just, you have no peers, you know? Yeah. Um, and that could be another factor for sure. Well, I mean, and that, that is what happened to some degree with Aang, mm -hmm. even in the Air Temple when his friends didn't want to play with him anymore on competitive games because they're like, it's not fair. You have an advantage. You're the avatar. Yeah. And so sometimes it can even be just a perceived uh, superiority in some way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the last thing I was kind of thinking about was like the more kind of war institutional factors like the solitary confinement of the Boiling Rock of in Legend of Korra all of the Red Lotus mm. members put into solitary confinement, which is unethical. And, it's a form of torture. Yes. Yeah. And you see them systematically trying to take people out of their community, like with the bloodbender. Mm -hmm. 
with uh, Haru's community, yeah. you know, taking people out to isolate them, to break down some of the bonds that that community has, and by doing so, breaking down the power that they have to Absolutely. resist. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that also ties in with commodification, where when people are turned into commodities, into labor resources, into things that you can exploit rather than people, mm -hmm. then their relationships don't matter to you. Yeah, absolutely. But what about you? What's your question for me? So you, you kind of hinted at a couple of these elements in your question, but how do you think Aang's experiences with loneliness impacted the way Korra was brought up? Yeah, that's an interesting question. I think, so we see the masters that train Korra coming to the Southern Water Tribe where mm -hmm. she lives to train her. And so I think it's interesting because they knew that she was the Avatar so early. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's a big reason why they would do that, right? Because clearly them wanting to take Aang away early was not a good thing for him and had disastrous results. At the same time, I think you're kind of losing something as well mm. because, I don't, I don't know, maybe that's how it always was done. We don't know because it's not what happened with Aang. But the fact that he had friends from all over yeah. the place, I think that that is really great, especially in a world that's like not that big, you know? I think that there is something to be said, not only having your one master or maybe a couple, who knows, who's training you in the art of whatever type of element bending, but also to get cultural things mm -hmm. imparted from living in community with people who bend that way, with people who even aren't benders, but that bending is a part of their customs and is a part of their history. Because if you're going to be an avatar, that means you, you're supposed to keep balance. Mm -hmm. And if you mainly only have experience with your own smaller community, how can you help maintain balance in a world that has a lot of differences, you know? So, because we don't know how it was supposed to be before, right, I don't yeah. know what differences there would be here, but... You have to read the Kyoshi books. Yeah, yeah, totally. But you do see it be a difficult adjustment for Korra when she goes to live with Tenzin and his family and just their different way of life, their different outfits, their different everything. <laughs> and so... Yeah, I think we do see her at a much older age learning these things than Aang had to. Mm -hmm. And her masters, like, they were not her peers. Mm -hmm. They were not anywhere near the same age as her, and that, that changes things too. Yeah, you, you hit on a lot of the, the, I think, the really interesting elements of this. And this this one, I think, is so a lot... So you have nothing interesting to add. That's I rarely do. <laughs> <laughs> that might be too high a bar for me if <laughs> things I need to contribute to this. But um... Were you just comparing yourself to Azula before? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say I was talented at podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> or interesting thoughts. Exactly. <laughs> but... I think this is an interesting thought experiment because we don't have a lot of answers. And so a lot of it's just, yeah, kind of hypotheses of like, oh, I wonder if this had anything to do with that, where hmm. I wonder if Aang experienced the dangers of being isolated 
and thus helped to establish the White Lotus as a more active force in helping to raise and train and protect the Avatar. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Weirdly, though, it seems like Korra has no friends. But that's the thing. In, like, the Southern Water Tribe, where are her friends? Like, I could see that she wasn't necessarily interacting with them, like, right then mm-hmm. when the firebending master was there to train her, but also, why not? Um, I mean, there's danger, right? And yep. I think that that was a huge thing with the Red Lotus trying to kill Aang. Yep. And trying to kill Korra. Yes, yes, as a baby. And I wonder how much that changed things. Totally, how much yeah. if they had if that had not happened, if Korra would have been raised differently than Probably. in this gated compound with a ton of guards. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah. I'm I'm sure that changed a lot. Yeah. But I would be very surprised if her not having friends that we see growing up has a lot to do with the rules that are enforced against her by the White Lotus to, for her protection, but I could also see Korra really just caring about being a bender <laughs> and not having a ton of desire to make friends. I think it's it's no surprise that her first friends that she makes are pro-benders. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. she has kind of an extended family of, you know, not only her own family, but the airbending kids who come with Tenzin when he comes to visit and she clearly has relationships with them already and and I think that's that's an interesting element too but yeah I wonder what that would have looked like if she didn't live in a in a walled encampment like that yeah definitely that would that would be an interesting AU (laughs) totally yeah (laughs) (laughs) well why don't we head into our missed opportunities yeah so one of the main things that I was thinking about is just how, and, and this, not on this topic and how it corresponds to loneliness specifically, that didn't come up before, but in our ability episode, I, I did talk about a bit how it can be frustrating when you're going to have someone have a, a character have a disability, but then kind of, in a lot of ways, be like, but actually not because they have these superpowers. Yeah. And that's not always the case, right? Because... Like, in the desert, when Appa is stolen, Toph is at a disadvantage. Yeah. And when, you know, she's on the... the um... Dirgibles? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so the way to say that word, yeah. Um, so so we, we did get to see instances of disadvantages, but in Legend of Korra, you also have one of the people in the Red Lotus. Mm-hmm. Uh, she doesn't have most of her arms. Uh, the waterbender in that in that group, but she's an excellent bender, and so I think like I think it's important for people to see diverse representation or, or pictures of characters that are not just all able-bodied characters, mm-hmm. but I think it also takes away some of the loneliness and some of the other societal effects that go along with disabilities and how you know sometimes people find a lot of support and community and power in being a part of groups of of other disabled people whether it's other people who have similar limitations as them or diverse range of of symptoms but we don't see that at all yeah somehow you know Toph is able to because she is so good at bending not really having her 
funness be an isolating factor for her because if she was not a bender if she was not as good a bender as she is she would have had no place in team avatar Mm -hmm. right that that's not something that they would have felt they could have made accommodations for and i think that that's very very much a part of our world our society that you know whether it's that people just view you as different or you know terrible ableist things whether it's that people don't know how to interact because they're afraid of saying something wrong or ignorant or they they just can't relate to your life experiences and so they don't feel like there's enough resonance or whether it's a a person or a group of people even a family that doesn't really want to make the accommodations to have uh, somebody with whatever sort of disability Mm. um, as a part of their community. And so I think like that can be incredibly isolating. Me as someone who has compromised immune system, has several different chronic health issues, like over a year and a half later, I'm still quarantined basically completely, you know? And so it's like these types of factors of how it affects your daily life, whether that's in crisis or just like the mundane things of people wanting to do activities that take too much energy for me to do or wanting to go somewhere that is not good for my body or, you know, whatever it is. So I wonder in, in Toph's perceived life, with her parents of this isolation Mm. yeah versus kind of what her actual lived life is which i wouldn't say is not maybe isolated in some ways i don't think she was really friends with the people that she did her bending with Mm -hmm. the bending tournaments and maybe her blindness would have been a factor in that of her not really having friends either but we just don't know it's just not there so yeah that's my missed opportunity that's so interesting because i was thinking of the opposite for Toph. How <laughs> of course you are. Being the only metal bender might be isolating. Oh, I see. I thought you were going to be like, she has so much community. <laughs> no, no, no. How that she might be isolated by the, being the only person with a specific ability. Mm-hmm. When we first meet her, she's already isolated for many reasons. But one of them is that, yeah, she's not friends with these other competitors. She They can't really compete with her. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so kind of that. Azula, exactly, extremely talented person setting you apart, yeah. And so I, I can imagine how, especially for someone like Toph, <laughs> who's fairly no nonsense and not very sentimental, meeting Aang probably was a big deal because she met someone who was talented in different ways, but very talented. But nobody she meets is going to match her talent in earthbending. Mm-hmm. But also, I think. It was because she was so talented that they needed her to come along with them. Mm -hmm. And they stuck with her even when sometimes her personality would have maybe driven them away if they were just kids hanging out, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Why don't we get to our takeaways? Yeah, so I think mine is just simply that I think in this show you can see that there are just so many ways to be isolated Mm. from others that there is so much loneliness that can be felt whether you're actually isolated alone by yourself versus even if you're with a bunch of people Mm -hmm. but that friendship and love and community connection these are the things that combat that and can bring people together 
even like with part of the quote we started with that instance they're all feeling alone in different ways but as they complain about their situations together as they express some of their emotions i think they're able to feel a little less alone yeah what's your takeaway i think that this is going to be one of those themes that my next watch through i'll want to look for a little bit more Mm. to see the ways that it can be represented but also how the creators choose to highlight it because yeah in a show about teams avatar (laughs) uh looking at loneliness and and how that's incorporated into those group dynamics i think is a an interesting element because just because you're in a group doesn't mean that you always feel like you're part of that group oh absolutely Yeah. yeah well what we'll be discussing next week Yeah, so we are going to be returning to Harry Potter, and we are going to be looking at the series through the theme of identity. Wonderful. Identity in Harry Potter. Well, thank you all so much for listening to this week's episode of Geek Between the Lines. You can find links to our social media and our website in the episode description, or you can join us at patreon.com slash geekbetweenthelines if you want to become a supporter of the podcast, helping the show to stay sustainable and getting you access to all sorts of fun extra content. Whether you're a supporter on Patreon or not, we would really love it if you went on and gave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find us, because that is the best way of getting us to get new listeners. And also telling a friend. Yeah, that's true. Word of mouth is actually the best (laughs) way. What are you even talking about, Chris? (laughs) But uh, reviews are still appreciated. We want to thank Kimberly Taylor Pastel at Lacelet for designing our logo. You can find her designs at lacelet.com or searching for Lacelet on Facebook or Instagram. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week. Until then, geek out.